morning. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for this beautiful day. Thank you for uh, this time where we can come together and worship you. Lord, we pray that your Holy Spirit would fill our hearts even now. And we just confess to you, Lord, we desperately need you. Uh, these words that are before us today are simple teachings, but they're probably the hardest for us to live out in our families, in our community, in our workplaces, in this world where we live. So God, please help us. Fill us with your spirit. Help us to see, to have eyes to see, to have ears to hear, that these words wouldn't just fall into our, our minds, but they would sink deeply into our hearts and we would be able to do them, God. Your word says, blessed are you if you do these things. God, help us to be able to know and to be able to, to do, to humble ourselves, to, to love, to serve, and um, lay our lives down for others as you, Lord Jesus, laid your life down for us. Uh, so we just, we just pray for your help, Lord. Please help us. Uh, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're in John chapter 13. Please turn your Bibles to John chapter 13. And John chapter 13 through 17 are Jesus' final words to his disciples. Before he is delivered up and crucified. In these chapters, we see a, a strong theme of love, humility, service, Jesus's desire, and his prayer for us, his disciples and us, is that we would be unified with each other in our hearts. You read ahead, John 13 through 17. I encourage you to do that. It's one discourse. We're, we break it down kind of paragraph by paragraph, but I encourage you to read John 13 through 17. Just be reading it over and over again throughout the week. And spend some time in God's word every day. Read large chunks of text. I'm not a fan of these little one verse devotionals that have <laughs> one little verse and then a three paragraphs of some lady or guy, you know, writing something in there. That's great and all, but you know, read large sections of the text and you'll see as you do that in John 13, 17, some of the things I've seen in there is, is Jesus is teaching to us to love one another over and over again. You see this, love one another. New commandment I give you, that you love one another. Like, really, is that a new commandment, Jesus? <laughs> no, it's like, he's just making the point love one another over and over again uh, and then we see also he tells us let not your hearts be troubled we have a lot of trouble in this world and jesus says let not your hearts be troubled and he says abide in me live in me i'm the vine you are the branches live in me abide in me abide in my love that my joy in you may be full. God wants us to have joy and peace in our lives. And we can have that when we 
abide in him and in his love. We live in that place. And then as he wraps up in his prayer to the Father for us, is that we would be perfectly unified in one, in our love for God and for each other. We would have unity. So often we say, you know, the Lord's prayer is our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. That's a model prayer. It's a model for us how to pray. But the, the true Lord's prayer, Jesus' prayer for us, is in there in John chapter 17, that we would be unified, that we would love each other. We would have unity. Just as Jesus is in the Father and the Father is in Jesus, that we would be in Jesus. And we would, there was this integration, this bringing together of in unity and love. Because he knows our nature, right? Our nature is to compartmentalize. Our nature is to, to divide. Our nature is to create denominations and to separate into little component parts. Jesus is all about bringing together, integrating, coming together in unity and love. That his joy may be in us and our joy in him may be full. And so here in chapter 13, Jesus models for us how this love and service looks. And it's not something that's merely intellectual or even emotional. It is those things, but it's more. This kind of love and service, it starts in the humility of our own hearts. And it's demonstrated by what you're going to hear me say a lot in this message, going low. We really have to get low here. You're going to see what that looks like. He's just done something in the beginning verses of chapter 13, which Pastor Jared covered last week. And I think it's truly unbelievable and remarkable what Jesus has just done in the first part of chapter 13. In fact, it's truly stunning. You know, if you'll take some time, just dig into what just happened. It's, it's truly stunning. In fact, if you know who Jesus is, Jesus, King Jesus, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Master, the Teacher, has just gotten up from the Passover supper table where he is leading the feast. If you've ever participated in a Passover feast, the Passover supper, you know, the head of the household, the one who's leading that, they're in a place of prominence. They're at the head of the table. You know, they're, they're leading things. They're, they're organizing. They're coordinating. There's a lot to it. It's a place of honor. He gets up from that Passover supper table, takes off his clothes, wrapped a towel around his waist, gets down on his knees and washed the dirty, grimy feet of his disciples. That was last week. We read that. Just think about that for a minute. That's nasty work. Who does that? Like, who does that? Yet Jesus, King Jesus, 
did that. Now, some of you have read lots of other like ancient mythology, things like that about gods. You know, what other god ever did that? You know, gods are to be served. Gods don't come and serve others, right? People bring their sacrifice to the God. And they, you know, the God is powerful and the God is fearful and all these things. And people kneel before the God. And what other God ever humbles himself and washes the feet of his disciples? No one ever. No other God ever. Hey, this is stunning. I, mean, I want us to just feel the impact of this in our hearts. So just not gloss over this. No other God ever, you, you'll ever read about, serves like this, serves at all. Jesus humbles himself, he washes feet, the dirty, nasty feet of his disciples. Now, some of us have washed our kids' feet, right? So we know how nasty feet can get. And this is a culture where, like, it was even worse. Like, they didn't have these nice shoes like we have. You know, they were in sandals and stuff. So most of the time, they were barefoot. Been on um, some mission trips where the point of the mission trip was to uh, provide shoes for children. These kids don't have shoes, or they're, sometimes they're wearing, like, you know, I believe this, like, they'll wear plastic water bottles They'll that are empty, they flatten them, and they tie little strings around them, and they're walking on plastic water bottles. That's, they don't have shoes. So I go on these mission trips, and I see these kids' feet, you know, and, I'm, and the part of the giving them the shoes is to wash their feet. There's a ministry called Samaritan's Feet that does this. I encourage you to go on one of the trips. So, you know, you get down there on your knees just like Jesus did. And you got a wash basin right there. And these little kids put their feet up right in your face. And you're like, whoa, that's so nasty. I mean, they're, they're nasty. I'm talking layers upon layers of dirt and cuts and sores and stuff because they have shoes. That's it. We can't even picture the kind of feet Jesus is washing here, right? I'm trying to help you see a vivid picture here of what Jesus has just done. And he did it gladly. And he did it as an example for you and for me, what he says. This was a display of love a symbol of saving, cleansing, and a model of Christian service. <laughs> now, in doing this, as Pastor Jared said last time, he takes the form of a slave and serves them. This is the work servants do. This is the work slaves do. And he models that for you and for me. And it's so stunning, in fact, that Peter, you remember from last time, speaks up and says, Lord, you may never wash my feet. He's even a, like, I don't know if he's embarrassed, if it's just like, I don't know what he's feeling at that moment. But he's like, never, Lord, shall you wash my feet. Stop it. Like right now, you cannot do this. I mean, that's how stunning this is. 
And Peter, the, one of the most outspoken of the apostles, probably the most outspoken, he's like, I'm not having it. No way. Uh-uh, no, stop. Lord, you may never wash my Right. So this is a stunning thing for Jesus to do. Jesus, the Lord Most High, he is the Lord Most High. And here he is showing us to go low. Now, there's some more context here. We'll read the text. If you look into Luke chapter 22 and some of the other gospels here in Luke chapter 22, you're going to see it's a little bit more background of what's happening here at this Passover supper. There was a lot going on at this Passover feast. We know from Luke 22, verse 24 and following, the disciples are arguing with each other about who's the greatest. Love it, right? It's like, and this isn't the only time this happened. Like, this happens more than once. You can see a dispute arose among them as to which one of them was to be regarded as greatest. So you can see the picture. They're here at the Passover supper, and they're all bickering with each other because you know they think that it's time for King Jesus to establish his kingdom, right? And it's time for us to get our place of prominence. And, uh, you know, James and John's mother even is like, hey, put one hand on your, one on your right hand, one on your left hand, like get them in positions of prominence. You know, it's time, it's our time. And we're going to be rulers and kings with Jesus. And I want to be the greatest. I'm the greatest, you know, I'm better than you, John. Everybody knows it. You know, and, oh, don't talk like that. You know, you're not, I, I served more people than you did out of the last town we went to. And you can imagine all the bickering going back and forth. Jesus said to him, the kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and those in authority over them are called benefactors. But not so with you. Rather, let the greatest among you become as the youngest and the leader as one who serves. For who is the greater, one who reclines at the table or one who serves? Is it not the one who reclines at table? I am among you as the one who serves. <coughs> and so let's look now at our text, John chapter 13, starting in verse 12. He has just washed the disciples' feet. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, Do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. I'm not speaking of all of you. I know whom I have chosen. But the scripture will be fulfilled. He who ate my bread has lifted up his heel against me. I'm telling you this now before it takes place. That when it does take place, you may believe that I am. Truly, truly, I say to you, 
Whoever receives the one I send receives me. And whoever receives me receives the one who sent me. And so in this context here of this disputing, Jesus not only telling them he has come as the one who serves, but he actually demonstrated. He got up from the supper, took off his outer garments, put a towel around his waist, filled a basin with water and washed each one of their feet. Showing them, hey guys, no need for you to be bickering here about who's the greatest. You want to prove who's the greatest? Stop talking and start serving. Go low. He tells that to the disciples and he's telling it to us today, you know, because we're very much like the disciples, aren't we? We are. Often full of pride. We want privilege. We want to be the greatest. We want to be important. We want everyone to, to see that in us and be seen by others and acknowledged. We want to be right and we want to be in control and seen as doing some great big thing for God. The lesson was for them, and it's just as much for us today. And so Jesus shows us all that the way up is down. So what I want you to take away from this message is the way up is down. Go low. Humble yourself. This is about humility. He's giving us an acted out lesson, an example of the kind of person we should be as his representatives in the world. Truly, truly, a servant is not greater than his master. And the master just demonstrated humility and service. And, and so should you. So should I. So should we all demonstrate humility and service to others. We're not called to be puffed up by the rank of representing Jesus. No, we're, we're called to go low in humility and service. Christians of high standing, and that's all of us, we're children of God. We have a very high standing. We're in the kingdom of God. We represent the Lord Jesus, the king. We're his ambassadors to this world. We should give ourselves gladly to low serving. Now, in verses 2 and 3 of chapter 13, John describes just how high Jesus is. All things had been given into Jesus' hands, and he knew it. He came from God, and he was going back to God. He was so high and lifted up and important that Satan directly opposed him. His rank is supremely high, Jesus's is. And then in verses four and five, we see right after that, Jesus gets up from the supper, gets down on his knees and washes feet. And in verses 12 through 16 here, we see a few things about us being sent 
Jesus giving us the example. He says, you call me teacher and Lord, and you are right. And so he's speaking to us here. I humbled myself to serve you. You ought also to do the same for each other. Jesus gave us an example. And we're to do just as he has done for us. We're his servants. We are his sent representatives. So we should do as he modeled for us to do. We must be the kind of people who gladly go low against worldly privileges and expectations of our rank and standing Step down from those privileges and engage in lowly serving. We ought to let our whole life be the mindset of a servant. And and this goes against our our nature. Our nature is to serve ourselves. We're intensely selfish people. And the ones who don't think that, you're probably the most selfish of all. (laughs) You look in the mirror, I'm I'm not very selfish. I'm really at all these You're intensely selfish. We all are. It's our nature. You kick against that goad every single day. So just understand that. And change our mindsets to be one of a servant. In physical acts and in attitudes toward others. Even those who are our enemies, like Judas was Jesus' enemy. Notice in the text, he washed all of their feet. Even his betrayer, Judas, his mortal enemy, who would deliver him up and betray him. Jesus knew Judas would betray him. He chose him because he knew for that purpose. He knew that was going to happen. Judas was Jesus's enemy. And he washed his feet also. And so the question for us today is, are you a servant in heart and in acts? So this is like getting your hands dirty here. Some of us, we, we, we accept this intellectually, but we're like, ooh, I don't really want to go get dirty like that. That's kind of messy, God. Is there a cleaner way I can go and serve? That's between you and the Lord. You know what he's asking you to do. Let's not be afraid to get on our knees and get dirty in our service to others. We need a mindset of service. We need to be asking ourselves in our hearts, am I a servant? I really have this kind of servant's heart, God? Help me, Lord. Some of us are leaders. Are you a leader? At home, fathers, husbands, you're a leader. Now, you might not lead well, but you're a leader. That's your position. And Jesus is showing us how we lead. Sir, you don't stand above everyone and lord it over them, boss people. That's not the kind of leader we're called to be. We're to be the kind of leader who gets low, who gets under, and lifts others up. Father's husband, you're a leader at home. Do you lead in service? Or are you just kind of sitting on the couch doing your thing or tinkering in the garage doing your thing? We all know what our 
things are that we like to do that keeps us away from that role of leader. In our workplace, are you a leader? If you are, then you're not a boss. You're not called to be a boss. Nobody likes to be bossed around. But people do want to be led. And they want to be led by someone who demonstrates humility and caring for them as a whole person. Not just a boss who lords it over them, telling them what to do. If you're that kind of boss, then you can expect the kind of worker that's like, man, I can't wait to get on my break. And I can't wait to clock out. When people talk to me like that, I'm like, you must have kind of a taskmaster type of a boss. You don't, you're not really like aligned with your work as like a vocation of something that you enjoy. I have the kind of boss who's just maximizing profit. Doesn't care about people as a whole person. Just wants to make money. Very selfish. So in your workplace, are you a leader? Be the kind of leader who goes low. Be the kind of leader who demonstrates humility. Who doesn't, you know, ask people to do things you're not willing to do yourself. Just ask, would I, would I do that myself? Would I take out that nasty garbage with all the stuff in it? Would I do that myself? Be the kind of leader that demonstrates that. Yeah, I'll do that. And I'll lead you to do the same. Man, that's the kind of leader that people want. That's the kind of leader people respect. That's the kind of people, a uh, leader that, you know, they'll go to the ends of the earth with you. They'll be with you in the foxhole of life. Be that kind of leader. Demonstrate service, lifts other people up. Some of you in your school, you know, you go to school. Some of you are homeschooled, so that's your school at home. <clears throat> How do you lead there? Are you demonstrating humility, love, and service? Or are you just trying to be cool? I'm cool enough people will respect me. Well, maybe, but, you know, if you, if you lead like Jesus leads here, you're going to have some, a deeper level of connection and respect. You'll show them Jesus in your life. That's the kind of person they want to listen to, by the way, when you share the gospel. And they'll be, oh, I want to hear what that person has to say, because I see Jesus in them. Jesus shows us right here how to lead. Lead by going low and lifting others up being a blessing to them. And you notice in verse 16 and 20, those verses are, are kind of connected to each other. You know, we, we have a high calling as a messenger of Jesus. We're his messengers. We're his sent ones. To go and take the gospel to the world. And he's showing us here that that's not accomplished by being prideful and puffed up. And, and right, necessarily. The world's not interested in that. They don't want to hear from you if that's your spirit. Now, who, who wants to listen to the person who shows up and says, here I am, 
You're so privileged I'm here. You know, you, you just wait till you see how great I am and how great all the things are I'm about to teach you because it's going to fix you because you need to be fixed. And if you'll just pay attention to me because I'm awesome, like it's going to change your life. Now, who wants to listen to that person? No. Nobody wants to listen to that person, right? They're like, where's this guy going to go? <laughs> right? Or they nod and smile. Yeah, yeah. Just get out of here. Yeah. Yeah. I've had encounters like that, man. Way, way back. Like, I think they believed. I, I think they got saved. Let's mark that on the list of the number that, that, that believed. And they were just probably like, this guy, leave me alone. I'm on my beach vacation. Right? They just wanted <laughs> to go away. Yes, answer yes to all your questions. Just go away quickly. So put aside all that pride, trying to be right about everything, it's being so puffed up. That's not how you represent Jesus in the world. We, we represent Jesus in the world through humility, love, service. Then they'll be ready to hear the, the words of our gospel message. They'll be hungry for the words of our gospel. Those who gladly go low in humility and service are the ones fit to be Jesus' sent ones. That's what he's saying here. We're not greater than our master. So who are we to think we don't have to go low in service to others? When Jesus clearly did. Not only did he wash their feet, this is all a picture of what he's about to do on the cross. It all points to what, I mean, this is the night before he's crucified. All of this points clearly to what he's about to do. He's showing us a picture here of his humility and service, which is pointing to the greatest picture of humility and service, where he's stripped naked, nailed to a cross, and dies for your sake. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. That's verse 17. I want you to circle that. Blessed are you if you do them. I can tell you personally, there's a lot of stuff in God's word that I know that I just don't do. Right? And if we're honest with each other, we're all in that boat. And it's just not enough, church. Brothers and sisters, you know, we need to do these things. We need to do these things. And when we do, we are blessed. Blessed are you if you do them. You know, there can be no real happiness in our lives if the things we believe are different from the things we do. Some of the most frustrated people I know are the ones who have this knowledge, but they're not working out that knowledge that they have. They have a belief, but they're not working out that belief. So I thought about this a lot over the last several weeks that I've been reading ahead. Wow. How do we do this? Right? I don't want to end the message right now with, okay, got it? <laughs> now go. Like, how do we do this? 
It's hard. It's a simple teaching. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love one another. It doesn't get any more simple than that. Isn't it hard, though? Yes, it's hard. It's extremely hard. So as I thought and prayed over this message this week, I, I thought of several passages that just align perfectly with this teaching and, and give us further clarity to see what this looks like in our lives and the body of the church. Because I tell you, you know, as pastors, this is the thing we strive with the most. It, it's trying to help us all to deeply love each other and have unity. It's the, it's besides digging into God's word and, and laboring the word, it, it's right up there though with the, 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 I don't even have to describe the feeling of it. It's just this constant, oh, we, that's what we want so badly as pastors. Until you've walked that path, I don't know that you can understand the feeling of it that a pastor carries. I, I don't even have the words for it. I'm constantly preoccupied. I think about it every day. I pray about it every day. And when there's disunity in this body and I know it, man, it just hurts my heart. It, just, it hurts my heart. I feel hurt in my heart because I love us all so much. And I want us all to love each other so much. And I want to put Jesus in the face. And yes, Jesus, we, we, we love one another. And we, we were one, Jesus. Man, I, I, want, I want to look at him face to face and, and say that. That's my heart for us. So I want to share these verses with you here from all over the New Testament. Some are paraphrased a little bit, come from different translations, but I think it will help us see a little more clearly and understand what Jesus wants us to see from what he taught us. <coughs> the first one I, I thought of was Philippians 2. Some of you are familiar with Philippians 2. The Apostle Paul helps us here. He says, since there is any encouragement from belonging to Christ, since we have comfort from his love, since we have fellowship together in the spirit, are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy. And I feel this way like the Apostle Paul when he wrote this, make me truly happy, brothers and sisters. You want to make your pastors happy? Make, make us truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. Man, that makes us happy. I think it makes Jesus happy. I think it makes God happy. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others as better than yourself. Now, that's a key one right there. If you can honestly say, Bob Barton's better than me. 
My head is better than me. Matt, Matt's better than me. That melts away all pride. It melts away all, I'm right, they're wrong. If they just follow my way, this would all be better. You know, it just kind of melts all of that away. Yeah, Rob's better than me. Jared's better than me. John's better than me. Sure. Absolutely. No question about it. Consider others more important than yourself, better than yourself. Don't look out for your own interests, but take an interest in others. Look out for the interests of others. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was, though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to, to hold on to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges, just like the picture at the Lord's Supper. He's putting aside his privileges, just like he took off his outer garments. He put aside his privileges, took the humble position of a slave, just like he did in the foot washing. That's what slaves do. He took the position of the slave. He was born as a human being in a barn and put in a manger, a feeding trough. The king of the universe, born in a dirty barn. He put aside all his privilege, laid aside his glory to be born as a human being in a barn. Then, not only did he stop there, he appeared in human form. He humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. That is humility at its pinnacle. <clears throat> Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory, to the glory of God the Father. Jesus went low. God exalted him. So there's our supreme example. So how does this work out? Well, the beginning of Philippians 2, give us a picture of how this works out. Luke 6.27 also gives us a picture. But to you who are willing to listen, are you willing to listen right now? Here's how we do this. We're not left in the dark about how to love and serve. God gives us his word. Listen, I say, love your enemies. Ooh, now, now you're hitting, now you're hitting, you're hitting deep. Love my enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. Anybody in here been hurt? Of course. You praying for the person that hurt you? Pray for them. If someone slaps you on one cheek, offer the other cheek also. Bam. Take this one too. Like, we don't do this in the United States of America, all right? We just don't. We want revenge. We want smackdowns. You know, we want, we're going to get them back. We're going to win. We're going to fight. We don't turn the other cheek in, in America. Jesus has a different way. He has a more excellent way. Give him the other one also. Wow, that's hard. If someone demands your coat, someone steals your coat, say, here, you want the shirt too? 
You don't go running after him fighting for your coat. You go running after him to give him your shirt. That's insane. Who does that? This is what it looks like, brothers and sisters. When you do stuff like that, people are like, whoa. Okay, something way different about that person. I want what they have. I want the shirt too. Thank you. Give me the shirt. <laughs> Give to anyone who asks, and when things are taken away from you, don't try to get them back. Man. Do to others as you would like them to do to you. And here's, here's the kicker right here, Luke chapter 6, 32. If you love only those who love you, why should you get any credit for that? Even sinners love those who love them. No, no, uh, you know, gold stars in heaven for loving the ones that love you back. No smiley face stickers for that. Everyone can do that. No big deal for that. You say, I'm such a loving person. Are you really? You love the people that hate you? Now you do that and you might, yeah, now we're talking. You love the ones that love you back and anybody can do that. <clears throat> love your enemies, do good to them, lend to them without expecting to be repaid. Then your reward from heaven will be very great and you will be, you will truly be acting as children of the most high. You want to truly act like children of the most high? Right here it is. Love your enemies. For he is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. And aren't you glad for that? Because I'm unthankful and wicked. And he's shown me kindness and mercy and grace. And you all are unthankful and wicked people. <laughs> and he shows you kindness and mercy and grace. Wow. You must be compassionate. There's that word, compassion. You have compassion and mercy. You must be compassionate just as your father is compassionate. Do not judge others, and you will not be judged. Boy, we like to do that. So you want to know how to go low? Don't judge others. Stop doing that. Stop judging and criticizing others. Do not condemn others, or it will all come back to you. Forgive others, and you'll be forgiven. Go low in love and service, the ones that you don't even like. They probably don't like you either. But you know, when you got a situation like that, someone that you're just really having trouble with, how, how much are you working to really understand them? You know, if we really understood each other at a deep, deep level, our, our negative feelings would probably just kind of melt away. Most all of our anger and fighting and frustration and battles with each other, it's our lack of understanding of each other. You know, maybe somebody yelled at you today because they got yelled at yesterday. Maybe that's the way their father treated them as they were growing up with their mother. We don't know the whole story of people's lives. We work to understand each other instead of being angry with each other and walking away from each other, which is what happens. Then we would have a deeper love for each other. 
Even Jesus washed Judas's feet. His enemy. <clears throat> Sometimes we are very prideful in our hearts. We say, well, I'm allowed to do anything. This is 1 Corinthians 10, 24. You say, I'm allowed to do anything. I can say what I want. I can do what I want. I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. Not everything beneficial. Don't be concerned for your own good, but for the good of others. How is what I'm do how is what I'm doing, how is what I'm saying affecting others? Is it building them up? Am I going low and building others up in service with my words, with my deeds, or am I tearing them down? Romans 12 through 15. It's kind of harmonization of this. Brothers and sisters, I appeal to you by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. So again, humility, go low. And here's a beautiful picture of this kind of love and service to each other. Let love be genuine. Love one another with brotherly affection. You fighting with somebody else? Think of these words. Love them with brotherly affection. Let your love be genuine. Outdo one another in showing honor. So, so take that, that anger Take that anger and transform that anger into compassion and showing them honor. Help me to see, God, past my anger to something honorable in that other person. That takes work. It takes effort. That's a different way of thinking it's a different mindset completely than the world teach us. Outdo them in showing them honor. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be prideful. Repay no one evil for evil. But give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Because look, you know, sometimes people are just going to be mad with us no matter what. But you do the best you can to live peaceably with them. You make every effort you can. You're not in control of how they respond. That's between them and God. Never take your own revenge. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. Owe no one anything except to love each other, for the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. So let us walk in love, not in arguing or quarreling. Let us not pass judgment on each other. Let us not despise each other. But pursue what makes for peace and mutual upbuilding. We have an obligation to bear with each other's differences and not to please ourselves. It's the differences within us that cause arguments and fights and pride. And, oh, they don't do it the way I do it, so I'm better than them. 
They don't think the way I think, so I'm better than them. It's what goes on in our hearts and minds. And so that's not the, to be the way it should be. We're to bear with each other's differences. Oh, they think differently than I do. How can I understand that better? We don't live to please ourselves. We live to please our neighbor for their good and to build them up. Not even King Jesus, the Lord of all, lived to please himself. So may the God of endurance and encouragement grant us, grant you to live in harmony with each other in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus and serve one another as Christ has loved and served you for the glory of God. Now back to our text to wrap it up. John 13, 20, we see Jesus is sending us. We are his messengers. We are his sent ones. Go low because Jesus went low. And you and I, we are his messengers. We are his sent ones. We represent him in the world. Go low because it's the most joyful way to live on the planet. When we get outside of ourselves and we serve, that's when we see, man, we have a million things to be thankful for. God is good. Life is good. And all this pride and bickering and factions and everything else that I had going on in my mind, whether it be with people at work or my family or wherever, none of that stuff is really important. Serving and loving others is the most joyful way to live on the planet. Go low because you are completely clean. Jesus has cleaned us. We are completely clean. If you look back at chapter 13 earlier, we're completely clean. He just needed to wash their feet. He didn't go give them a whole bath. Yeah, they were, they were completely clean. They just needed to have their feet washed. We are washed by the blood of the humble and exalted one. And so the message for all of us today is to go low. Pastors, go low. Deacons, go low. Husbands, go low. Wives, go low. Mom and dad, go low. Brothers and sisters, they're getting on your nerves, brothers and sisters. Go low. Business leaders, Go low. Supervisors and managers, go low. A-plus students who are the smartest people in the world. We're going to fix everything. Go low. Great athletes who are celebrated on the field of sport, go low. Every Christian, go low. The way up is down. So go low. Blessed are you when you do. Amen.